think it'll go consumerist and therefore look like it's gone mainstream, mm-hmm. which is kind of what's already happening with things like keep cups and yeah, yeah, yeah. metal straws being a really good example of something that I'm quite, I suppose I've been quite outspoken about the straw ban and yeah. all that kind of nonsense because it's a, that's not the thing that you should be focusing on. If you want to help the planet, keep your plastic straw and just eat less meat. <laughs> yeah. That was Lucy Lucraft in our conversation about zero waste and plastic free living. I was super excited to get Lucy on the podcast as she's been a huge inspiration to me on my journey with zero waste and plastic free. And I just think this conversation is so useful because it it goes quite deep um, it gets quite serious about why we might want to be zero waste and plastic free and the, the biggest things that we can do. Um, but it also acknowledges that everybody's starting from a different place and, um, you know, Lucy's really good at acknowledging that and offering tips and advice for people whatever place they're in in their lives. So I think there's something for everybody here and I, I hope that there are some really practical, actionable takeaway tips for everyone to take with them into their zero waste and plastic free journey wherever they are on that. Uh, one little note is that Lucy talks about the book No More Plastic and she mentions that it's by Matt Haig and the author is actually Martin Dory. So the book No More Plastic is by Martin Dory and I've linked to that in the show notes as well so if you're interested you can find that there. So I hope you really enjoy listening to this as much as I enjoyed interviewing Lucy. Uh, We tackle veganism, why eating less meat and avoiding cows um not like in the street but just avoiding um meat and um dairy in particular is one of the biggest things that you can do if you want to reduce your carbon footprint um we talk about beauty and makeup and um we talk about cleaning products and making your own cleaning products we talk about fashion and We talk about some of our best sort of recipes and tips for various bits and pieces. And I share my newly thought up action point for creating actions for that moment right after you finish watching a powerful documentary or something like that on this. Welcome to Create Shift podcast to support, encourage and inspire you to live your most purposeful and holistic life. I'm your host, Ellen of Being Change. I'm a yoga teacher, writer and purposeful and holistic living advocate based in Manchester, UK. Thank you so much for joining me on this adventure. Thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's lovely. Um, so as you know, I'm keen to talk to you about zero waste and plastic free living. Um, and there's, I mean, there's just so much that I want to talk about. I'm, I'm sure we won't be able to cover everything. Um, but I think like, the reason that I wanted to talk about this with you is because 
my whole thing's about holistic living and for me a big part of holistic living is not just about considering our you know the mind body connection or whatever or doing yoga or thinking about um herbal remedies and that sort of thing it's also about thinking about our relationship with the world and our relationship with the planet and the earth and everything so yeah it's a really important part of holistic living to me I think all of this zero waste and plastic free stuff so um I wonder if a good place to start is if you just talk a little bit about what zero waste and plastic free means to you and what it looks like in your life yeah sure I'd love to um first off I just don't I mean I use the term zero waste of course because that is the shorthand for as soon as you say zero waste people understand what you mean but Mm. I don't strive to live as a truly zero waste lifestyle Mm. because I don't believe it's possible I don't believe it's it's helpful necessarily to strive for that um but for me it just means mindfully consuming um taking care of everything that I use and oh, I don't know just it's such an emotive topic for me especially this week but um yeah just m- being mindful really mm. um which is easier said than done and I I really try not to be too preachy about it because everybody starts from a different place mm-hmm. um and it's not helpful to tell somebody who who doesn't have the same advantages that I have that they need to cut out all plastic from their life become mm. a vegan and then also produce a kiln a jar of waste every year <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 I, th- I remember when I first started thinking about all of this stuff I read a blog somewhere I can't remember whose it was um but it was somebody who produced a kiln a jar of waste and I was mm. like oh my god and I just started freaking out about how I was ever going to do that and just feeling terrible about everything that I put in the bin yeah um which isn't helpful and I'm really glad that you said you don't strive for the zero waste because you know that is pretty difficult to do Mm. I think um I think yeah I think so go on sorry (laughs) I was gonna I I was gonna say I think it's about real mindset shifts so the thing that I find people get a bit stuck on is that they might then recycle more and Mm -hmm. think that that is a a goal that they should be achieving um shifting things from landfill into recycling can be good it can be a benefit but really we should be aiming to reduce our recycling as well um i think the and it's it's hard because every single place in the UK is different for recycling. Mm. Of course, there are some universals, such as glass, such as aluminium cans. But every single place is different. Even even in Brighton and Hove, where I am, my recycling is very, very different to my cousin's who lives up the road. Um, and I think there's just a lot of... There isn't enough information out there guiding people through yeah. recycling to start off with. But the, even when I walk down the street, so Thursday, which is today, is our recycling day. Mm. And I walk uh, along the road before the recycling comes on to take my daughter to nursery. And I see what people have put in their recycling. And I know that half of that stuff in there, I'll just see things. And I'm like, that's not recyclable. That's not recyclable. That's not recyclable. Um, but for whatever reason, they don't know that. Um, which, to me, is a massive failing on the government and council's mm. part. Yeah, 
I definitely agree. I was having this conversation with a friend recently about she really wanted to visit her local recycling plant to actually mm-hmm. find out what happens and stuff. And I was like, well, I didn't even know you could do that for one thing, um, that you could visit um, and that kind of stuff. And I, we were just saying the same thing, that it's it's not made easy to know what's recyclable especially when companies put the little recyclable symbol on Mm. their packaging um but like you said that thing might not be recyclable in your local area Um, yeah and And it normally has something underneath that's that might say widely recycled yeah or um or like you say this is recyclable in theory (laughs) but you're (laughs) but yeah your uh your local council might not recycle it um and and not everybody that the onus isn't on brands to it's not a legal requirement no basically so consumers are really kind of it's like the blind leading the blind in many ways mm. so it is hard it is hard but reducing your recycling should be part, considering recycling as waste yeah it's a good mindset shift because it is waste yeah i think that's a good uh, way to think about it because when you start thinking about the waste that you produce, you might just instantly just look at the bin. Yeah. But if you start thinking, looking at your recycling bins as well, then, um, yeah, I think that's a really good tip um, and something that people can quite easily do and see where that waste is coming from. Mm. Um, so did your becoming more zero waste and, and plastic free and stuff, did that come after you made the shift to become a vegan or was it always something that you were doing? So I've been vegetarian most of my life mm-hmm. and then I was vegan, went vegan about three, four, three or four years ago um, and then had one big break when I was pregnant and ate everything <laughs> <laughs> um, and then went vegan again after Anais was born 18 months ago mm-hmm. and then the, ho- the whole family are vegan as well now um, and the... It, the zero waste thing and reducing my plastic and educating myself much more on that is a fairly recent thing, probably only in the last year to 18 months. So I suppose it kind of, when the whole family went vegan and I started looking into things for my daughter, mm. I think that's probably where everything shifted for me. Okay. But I've always been someone who hated waste. Mm. I was always, yeah, I just always have been that sort of person quite anxious about food waste and mm. about and it it's probably something to do with my parents saying eat, eat your dinner because you know there are starving children yeah. in Africa yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, but um yeah it kind of felt a little bit like I was living in alignment with my with my values that had always been there mm. do you think something I've been thinking about is whether the the zero waste plastic free thing is kind of very, very connected with other mindsets and kind of lifestyle choices and, and changes that people might make, such as minimalism um, mm-hmm. and, and veganism and stuff like that. And do you think that mainly only people who are inclined towards those kind of mindsets will then move towards zero waste or not? <laughs> I think that's a really good question. I think that people who were already on a journey like that which Mm. is a kind of core shaking value shaking journey Mm. are definitely more open to then taking it a step further just because they're already they're already open to changing changing things in their life Mm. um 
and doing things maybe quite different to the status quo. But I don't, I, I wouldn't consider myself a minimalist. Mm-hmm. Even though other people might say I am because <laughs> I don't have like lots of stuff, but I don't align myself to a minimalist right. kind of way of life. Um, so I think you definitely can be someone who likes stuff, but then is also committed to, because I suppose the thing is you can like stuff, can't you? Right? You can, you can like charity shop, mm-hmm. you know, charity shop finds and you can like, um, upcycling things mm-hmm, and having mm-hmm. a house full of books that you've, that you constantly get from the library and switch out. And there is, there are ways to have stuff in your life in an ethical, mindful way. Mm. It's good for the planet. I think. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I guess it's just a shift in what that stuff looks like. Yeah. And kind of how you come by it. Um how you how you yeah, purchase it, where you purchase it from. Which I guess comes from then aligning that with other values that you have, you know. So you you're mm. not just going to buy the mass produced I don't know, coffee pot for yes. example. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um but yeah, you might be going to a charity shop or a local market or something where people who you know, make stuff locally go and, and that's it all kind of ties in with different values there, doesn't it? Yeah. Um so this kind of ties into another question that I wanted to ask you was do you think that zero waste um or you know more zero waste living will go mainstream ever? <laughs> hmm, probably not. Hmm. I think I think it'll go consumerist and therefore look like it's gone mainstream, mm-hmm. which is kind of what's already happening with things like keep cups and yeah, yeah, yeah. metal straws being a really good example of something that I'm quite, I suppose I've been quite outspoken about the straw ban and yeah. all that kind of nonsense because it's, a, that's not the thing that you should be focusing on. If you want to help the planet, keep your plastic straw and just eat less meat. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> there's so much other waste that you could be reducing apart from. But you know, if you want a, if you want a metal straw, that's that's cool. That's fine. It is still doing good for the planet. But um, yeah, I, I don't I don't necessarily think it will go mainstream because I think it goes against uh, it goes against our how our society is set up. Um, it doesn't benefit big businesses to make products that last longer. Mm. Um, and it doesn't benefit retail to have consumers mindfully shopping um, and and asking questions about where the product was sourced, was it made ethically, were the workers paid fairly, um, what was the carbon footprint. It doesn't benefit. And I know this because I worked in retail yeah. for many years, so I know exactly how those margins are pinched mm. and who and where – uh, and who's the one that has to actually pinch them, which is the supplier. Um, it's the factory workers at the end of the day. So it's not, it's not a very hopeful answer, but I don't think it'll be mainstream. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I was just, as you were talking, I was thinking about that because, you know, I I totally agree with what you're saying. And yet I, part of me always wants to be optimistic. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it kind of, it ties into that whole thing of um, the sort of feeling of, 
despair and despondency that people can get in reaction to things like, um, you know, people watch Blue Planet and mm. see all the plastic and go, oh my God, that's awful. I really care about that. This is terrible. I want to do something. And then they go, well, but what can I do? Like they go through that logic of sort of everything you just said of like, is it actually going to make a difference? Or what can I as an individual do? Surely it's down to other people or the big corporations and stuff. And like, you know, the same with the response to kind of big stuff like the UN climate change report at the moment. And yeah, just that, like, how do you think we can then individually combat that feeling of of despair or what can I do or what's the point sort of thing you know I think the number one which it doesn't sound like it plays into zero waste or less plastic is eat less meat just mm. eat less meat animal agriculture is the leading cause of climate change of um the planet's deforestation if of water consumption of um greenhouse gas emissions (laughs) what's it called again that big one that that big thing (laughs) that that really really big important thing (laughs) it's and if you can just and particularly and particularly beef so if you know and and you messaged me separately actually and were saying about um if you are already vegetarian what can you do definitely dairy Mm. the dairy industry the dairy industry is brutal so putting even putting aside um the fact that it is incredibly inhumane and cruel um there is no such thing as free range (laughs) unless unless you're rearing chickens in your garden Mm um or you know milking cows in your garden or whatever but dairy is predominantly produced by cows yeah so the mummy cow is being like constantly um kept pregnant her whole life when she produces a boy the boy will either be chucked off to meat or killed Mm. um and that is cows are cows are the the kind of biggest culprits of um greenhouse gas emissions of methane of um, water consumption of all of those sort of things so if you can reduce so i would almost say that if you're going to do anything, then give up cows in in, in their entirety, leather, mm. meat, dairy, definitely dairy. Mm. Um, and then so obviously yeah. you've got that, you're becoming more plastic free by doing that also because the milk Absolutely. that you buy is probably in plastic. You might get it in glass, but it's probably plastic. And then the different meats are always, you know, wrapped in all the plastic and stuff like that yeah. generally. So that's going to help with that as well. Um I remember hearing a quote, and I think it might have been on Cowspiracy, where somebody said, um, you can't be an environmentalist and eat meat. Mm-hmm. And while I don't completely agree with that, because I don't like absolutist statements, mm-hmm. um, I totally see the point. And I know environmental bloggers who are zero waste and plastic free, and they're doing amazing, amazing things, and they eat meat. Um, and that, you know, they buy their meat from the butcher or whatever, or they go to the counters mm-hmm. at the um, supermarket and they take their own tins and etc. etc. And I can't help but think, just eat less meat. <laughs> yeah, and that would have a bigger impact than reducing the plastic. One hundred percent, probably. Yeah, yeah. Because people also think about the. I think you mentioned Blue Planet, and I think as somebody who lived on an island for 
year um, and was diving regularly, mm. I, I know firsthand what happens because of um, plastic um, and the animals that are killed and, you know, the ocean being completely ruined. Mm. Um, and the fact that plastic, last, you know, a lot of plastic will be around for 500 years is horrific. Yeah. But what people don't think about is the fact that animal agriculture has led to um, complete dead zones in the ocean. So, so they could they could be filled with plastic if they wanted to be because they're they're not all the fish are dead anyway. Um, which is a is a horrible, uncomfortable thing to think about. Mm. Yeah, yeah, sorry, I did, I sorry to drop I didn't that, know that. No, I didn't know that. So I was just, um, I was just processing. Processing it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, it's kind of it's horrific to think about it, isn't it? The pollution that comes from animal waste um, and slaughterhouse waste yeah. and things like that that goes straight into the ocean. Yeah, yeah, and it is. It's all tied in, isn't it? It's like zero waste. You might think about just reducing the rubbish that you're throwing away, but you it's absolutely tied to what you're eating as well and choices that you make there um which I think sometimes are choices that people don't want to make because it means more intense lifestyle changes perhaps um yeah so it's harder so they think oh well if I just get my keep cup and my metal straw and and I'm not dissing those things because I've got both of those things um but <laughs> um you know that, that they're doing something but actually um sometimes it is hard it is about if you do care you do have to really make some more severe lifestyle changes I don't know if severe is the right word but I know but I know what you mean because I think for some people perhaps for you and I it's less severe than for somebody else mm. um, and it's about starting at the level that you're at and just reducing so like you say if if all you can do this month or this year is stop drinking coffee from disposable cups mm. and just switch to a keep cup, then great. That's brilliant. And maybe if you eat steak one less time or just beef mm. one less time this month, that's awesome. It's just about doing what you can and, and not being apathetic about it. The apathy is probably the worst thing. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. As I'm a, I'm a big believer in it takes one person to make, a group you know is always one person who starts having an idea and they tell someone else and then they adopt it and then they tell someone else um so I've always been like what if I start doing it and then talk to other people then that's going to make a difference at least within my community and then it will snowball but um my boyfriend on the other hand is always quite like well what are my actions gonna you know do mm -hmm. what difference are they gonna make um and he has made changes I'm, <laughs> I've got to say that now otherwise he'll shout at me for really bad. <laughs> he's made a lot of changes um to, to various things and become more aware about plastic waste and stuff but it's interesting that he's always had that kind of has just sort of by uh, his nature got jumped to that kind of point of view and I think a lot of people do um yeah, I think it's overwhelming isn't it yeah so overwhelming um and it's knowing where to start and I think like you say just choosing starting at whatever level works for you whether that is stopping the disposable coffee or and then you just keep going from there yeah um, and it does get easier. I found that it does get easier. So just start off with, I made little changes quietly over a sustained period of time. And those little changes became bigger. And as I got more comfortable, they got bigger and bigger and bigger. And yeah. I still produce waste. I still produce a lot of waste. Yeah. But um, I am at quite a good spot where I sort of 
I sort of know what I'm doing for my family, what I can do for my family. Mm. So it's just starting with those small steps, I think. Um, so what did you start with? What were the little changes that you started with when, if we take the eating differently out of it, with the rest of the waste that you produced? Yeah, so I was living in London when I first started reducing my waste. So the first thing I did was, I'm not a massive shopper anyway, but mm. after I gave birth and started to kind of, my body started to change and not be pregnant anymore <laughs> and my maternity clothes didn't fit me, I kind of looked at my wardrobe and, and started capsule wardrobing. Mm-hmm. So then I reduced um, stuff then. I've never been a big shopper and I've, I've been kind of capsule wardrobing-ish for quite a long time. But I did it more intentionally this time and actually looked at what will go with what. Mm-hmm. And um, Jessica Rose Williams has a brilliant yeah. guide to help you do that. Yeah, yes, I've done that one too. Um, yeah, yeah, it's really good, isn't it? It's yeah, really, really it's achievable and sustainable. Yeah. And cheap as well. I'm sure I only paid about £20 for her little guide, so it's yeah. great. Yeah, yeah, it's really affordable. Um, and then then I started looking at the biggest amounts of waste that I was producing. Like, I literally went into my bin and was critically looking at, at, at the biggest, yeah, the biggest things. For me, it was nappies. Mm. So we switched to reusable nappies um, and reusable wipes. And sometimes now, like if the grandparents come, we just make sure that we have biodegradable nappies um, and biodegradable wipes, which are really, they're really expensive. So it's cheaper to go for reusables, but we don't always want to force them to deal with the reusable nappies. So that was probably the first thing we did. And um, as well as getting keep cups, both my husband and I drink a lot of coffee, especially in those early days. So we got keep cups and then started always 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 taking a big tote bag that was stuffed with other little bags mm-hmm. um things like um like a linen a bit of linen that I kind of sewed together to make a bread bag mm-hmm. um and little canvas um not canvas the sort of little organic cotton produce bags mm-hmm. so that when we went to the supermarket we could just pick up stuff loose and shove it in there Um, And then I started seeking out bulk stores um, and ways to buy um, my grains and kind of pantry items Mm. without packaging, which in London is really easy. And in Brighton, it's okay as well. But I know that in quite a lot of other places in the country, it's not that easy. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So I just, I kind of just started with those things, the things that I was using the most, and then just reduce those. Mm. Did you make many um, shifts in terms of what you were eating when you were considering the packaging that it came in? Like, did you have to sort of let go of some things that normally you would have really liked to eat, but you you know came in too much packaging, so you don't eat it anymore? Or yeah, yes, all of the good stuff. I know. <laughs> so, so basically, when I first started, I was quite hardcore, um, and just said no to all plastic, which meant that we wouldn't it was it was really hard there was I was making bread every week Mm. and making pizza doughs and making tortilla wraps um and making my own hummus and just making everything making my own cookies every single week making stuff for Anais to have as snacks um and now I've I've really relaxed so there are some things that I do still get in plastic. Um, and a really good example of something that I get in non-recyclable plastic 
that literally just goes straight in landfill mm. um, is uh, the Iceland. Iceland have a really, really good, cheap, palm oil-free range of vegan products. Do they? They do. They're really cheap. They're amazing. Yeah. I am... Um, I sometimes talk about them on my stories because I'm basically buying the whole range. So not so the whole range isn't in plastic. Um, some of the stuff is in plastic, mm. so you can totally avoid it as well. And they just have cardboard as well for like their burgers and stuff. Yeah. And it's honestly amazing. It's mm. cheap, really really good plant based stuff. Um, and the reason that I buy that is because Iceland have made a pledge to be palm oil and plastic free by 2019 so for me it's about supporting Mm. supporting that and put and I'm basically voting with my wallet there Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I would continue to buy their range because it's good um because they're doing good stuff yeah I really like that phrase voting with your wallet actually it's like um I only heard that recently well a few months ago maybe and it um it kind of helped me feel like I was taking more action by the things that I was doing because I think when you put that word voting on it, because that's something that you can do to kind of make a, an impact on something, it just makes it feel like you are having an impact. Um, and especially now with more um, bigger chain stores and things like Iceland and um, various other places making commitments to be plastic free, it does feel like people are maybe listening a bit. I think so. And I, I think regardless of the cynic in all of us will say they're doing that because it's trendy it doesn't really matter yeah it's, it doesn't matter <laughs> yeah who cares if it's trendy it's fine it's a good trend yeah. <laughs> and I think there are other things that you can vote with your wallet on um I and it's not always easy because this is an accessibility thing and not mm. everyone is going to be able to do this but if you can if you have the means to shop independently um shop independent not shop independently and buy organic cotton from Mm -hmm. ethical places that is a massive vote for the environment and just kind of for humanity as well most of these companies are especially in the fashion industry independent shops are run by women Mm. and I always think that supporting women is a good idea Mm -hmm. um making sure that you buy organic cotton over normal cotton is great if you can mm-hmm. um, yeah so that's that's another thing that I try and do if I do buy something then I buy independent yeah yeah and it's um uh it's all about doing what you can do at whatever level you can access it at because like you say that's not accessible for everyone it's more more expensive to buy organic cotton and, and all of that so I think I think it's worth acknowledging that exists, but I think as long as the people who can afford to do that are choosing to do that, then I think exactly. it's a good thing. Um, and then it's great that there are other options like, you know, the cheap range at Iceland that maybe more people can access. Um, yes, totally. So there's lots of different levels. Um, I'm really glad that you said that you don't make everything from scratch anymore as well, because that's something I've been thinking about. And I've been making a lot of things like I make cleaning products, which is great and super easy. Mm-hmm. And I'm definitely going to keep up with that because that's it's really not that hard. It's not as hard as it was going to be at all. And like washing powder and all of that. But I've started dabbling in um, making different types of makeup and stuff. Oh, yeah. No, I'm out with that. Absolutely. 100%. I don't do any DIY beauty. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think the one thing I'll stick with is a blusher that I've made out of beetroot powder and and cacao and that's quite good um but n- no it's <laughs> it's hard. I, yeah 
And then there's the thing of the the ingredients that you need to buy to make the stuff. So like I was making moisturizer, for example, and then I bought a big thing of shea butter, but it came in a big plastic tub. So yeah, and uh, they will have. It's so difficult because you kind of end up getting into a bit of a minefield. Mm. I found a similar thing to you when that because it is quite exciting, isn't it? When you start, and you're mm. like, I'm going to make everything myself, and I'm the same. I make my own clinic products um, because it's easy, mm. but. If it wasn't easy, then I wouldn't do it. Yeah. When I've seen people, yeah, the makeup thing for me was the hardest. And I have a friend who's been zero waste her whole life. And she was showing um, me how to make mascara. Mm. On She was showing on Instagram stories. She wasn't doing like a private tutorial. Okay. <laughs> um, and it did look really easy, but she still had to buy, she had to go and buy stuff yeah. that was in plastic and... Um, get stuff from Amazon and whatever. Like she had, she, because she'd been doing it her whole life, she picked up bits and pieces that were super ethical and yeah. whatever. But that is, I've got a baby and a full-time job. Mm-hmm. I, I, I am okay with buying products. So, but then again, it kind of goes back to just be mindful about what you buy. So I um, will just buy cruelty-free Mm. Um, stuff that is in minimal packaging, ideally glass bottles. And actually for beauty, it's it's getting easier and easier. There's a couple of brands that I really like. Um, the West Barn Company are great. And uh, Myru are also great. So, like, there is stuff out mm. there. And there's Pi. I don't know if you know Pi. They're yeah. amazing. There's quite a lot of, like, little independent UK-based cruelty-free brands um, doing beauty products. Mascara is the hard one, I've found. Yeah. <coughs> yeah I've really struggled with that. It always comes in the plastic, doesn't it? Mm. Um, yeah. So you, have you found a, uh, a non, a, like, a mascara alternative yet or no? I have. But. But. <laughs> it's. <laughs> it's crap. Right, okay. <laughs> I won't put that one in the show notes then. <laughs> you can. I can talk about it because actually it doesn't work for me, but it probably it probably will for other people. And they've redone the they've redone it recently, reformulated it. So Lush Lush are great. I I really mm. I like to support Lush a lot because I think they do great things. Um, they have it's in a it's in a glass pot with um yeah it's in a glass pot with like the lid is um almost looks like a pipette lid which Mm -hmm. is um plastic but then you can bring it back to lush and they recycle it Mm -hmm. and they're brilliant at upcycling their products um their plastic has a longer lifespan than the plastic that you'll buy elsewhere when it's recycled because they recycle in a they recycle in an amazingly eco way actually they they um, preserve water when they're recycling all sorts of things mm. um so they have one it's really expensive um and yeah I mean it's not something I would ever recommend to people because I just I'm not going to recommend a mascara that's kind of 18 pounds because mm. it's I don't think it's very accessible or realistic mm. and what what didn't didn't work for you about it was it how you put it on or just just everything about just, it. Right, I've got okay. <laughs> just, just the whole thing. <laughs> just the whole thing. It's expensive. Um, I don't think it works very well. I don't like the little spoolie, although you can buy 
them separately, but then you're buying extra yeah. stuff. It's plastic. So what what is a spoolie? I read this on your blog the other day, and I was like, I must Google that because I don't know what a spoolie is. Oh, it's uh, so it's like a mascara wand. And oh, it's yes. the, oh, okay. You know the separate ones that you get sometimes if you want to um, use brow. Yeah. Yeah, that's a spoolie. Oh, okay. Okay. I, just, I didn't know the technical name, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I worked in beauty. That's what there I know. There you go. <laughs> um, I wanted to ask you another thing about a specific product as well, actually, which is um, your milk alternatives, which I assume you, do you use milk alternatives or did you just not use them? I do. Yeah. Do, do you make them or do you buy them in the, in the Tetra packs or what do you do? So we do a couple of different things. We, and before Anais was um, weaned, we bought Tetra packs mm-hmm. um, and our local council we have a recycling center that we take our Tetra packs to be recycled. Okay. Um, and the reason that we have, that we do that is because, um, Oatly is fortified and like some yeah. of the farm are fortified, yeah. um, which she needs. However, I tend to make my own oat milk, Okay. but I drink, I drink all like all plant milks. I drink soy. There's a lot of misconceptions about soy. Yeah like hormones but it's not hormones it's like phytoestrogens which is different it's it, yeah um and le- way less hormones than cow's milk mm. so yeah I do I like plant plant-based milks the only one I don't like actually is coconut milk in the in the um can or in the packet or the tetra in the pa- yeah. in the tetra packs, you yeah. know the ones that they make into kind of uh, drinkable yeah, milk. Yeah, I don't like them either. Yeah, it's not. I don't know why. I'm glad you said that because I always people are always like, "Oh my god, how can you not like coconut milk? It's so delicious." No, but I it's really so... don't like it. But if I buy it in the um, can, I like that. Like I make porridge with that sometimes. Do you? Yeah. Well, nice. uh, half that and half another type of milk. Yeah, and then oh, and then cool. some water. Yeah. I bet that's nice. It is nice. And golden milk with coconut milk is nice too. Mm. Oh, I love golden milk. Yeah, yeah. Me too. It's good at this <laughs> time of year. Um, oh, there was something else I was going to say just then. It's gone right out of my head. Oh, yeah. I was going to ask. Um, so if people want to kind of go away and educate themselves a bit more, obviously you've got a number of blogs and different things that have got useful practical tips in, but are there any other places that you'd recommend that people look to to find out more? Yeah, so there's, for Zero Waste, there are some great accounts on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Uh, Zero Waste Collective is brilliant, and uh, Plastic Free July, which is similar to Veganuary in that it's not just for July. They have some really, really great resources. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a movement called the Low Impact Movement. Um, They are great. These are all on Instagram, but I think they all have websites. It's just that I Mm -hmm. only kind of consume the stuff through Instagram. They're all great. And then I would say there's a heap of documentaries that you can watch on Instagram um, to help educate you. Things like Cowspiracy is amazing, Forks Over Knives. Um, What else? The True Cost is amazing, talking about the fashion industry. Uh, Yeah, I think... Was, is that a recent one? No. I, I think I'm thinking something It's else. about, it's the Lucy Siegel one. Okay. It's about a yeah. year old, oh, okay. I think. Yeah, Maybe yeah. longer. Yeah. It's really good. Really, really good. Um, and then there's a great book called No More Plastic, um, which I think is 
Matt Haig, I think that's his name. I haven't read it personally, but apparently it's great. And he has this thing called the two minute solution. So he's all about like, what can you do right now? Oh, that's great. Because sometimes mm. you do watch these things and, and you really get affected. And then it's sort yeah. of, it just fades away in your, in your experience and you've not done anything. So I think I might, when I watch these things now, documentaries and stuff, I might, after I finish watching it, just make a note of two things that I'm going to do, simple things, right off the bat. And maybe that's a good way to do it. Because Oh, that's a really good way of doing it. Yeah, because otherwise you do, uh, it's almost like catharsis in a way. You, you watch it and you feel really upset about it and you've kind of got that out and you feel like you've done something. Maybe you share like a, an Instagram story about everybody needs to watch this, but, you know, that's not really doing anything. Uh, yes. It's doing something. Yeah, it's, so true. it's sharing something with people and they're going to watch it. But I think it is that follow-up action that is needed. So... Um, that sounds like a good book and then yeah I think I'll start making those little bullet points or two little things to do that that's simple. a brilliant idea mm. I think I'll do the same yeah good we'll do that and we'll share it <laughs> share it on Instagram so yeah absolutely can do it um right I've got one last question for you which is my two-part question that I'm asking everybody um and so it, this is it it's in an ideal world your really ideal vision of the future what changes would you like to have seen people make towards a more purposeful and holistic life and then the second part of that is and what simple changes small changes can people make right now to move in that direction um in an ideal world I would love to see everyone living a vegan life Mm -hmm. (laughs) or at least a plant-based life um yeah that would be I would I would love that that would make me so happy Mm -hmm. um and what simple things can people do right now? Um, go and look in your bin and your recycling. And and just take note of what is taking up the most space. Yeah. And then find an alternative. Google it or, yeah, Google it. <laughs> yeah. And then write it down and maybe share it with someone and tell them that you're going to yeah. do it. And then you've got some accountability. Oh, yeah. that's a really good idea. That's a really practical Yeah. Yeah, really practical. And also, just lastly as well, I'm, sorry. No, no, go on. <laughs> I know I've been really preachy about veganism, but also just don't have any shame. Like, don't have shame about what you've done before or, oh, my God, I can't. Because, because I have it as well, and I think about the amount of cows that I've eaten or the amount of single-use plastic or at the moment I'm thinking about the amount of clothes that I had from ASOS and mm. other unethical places. Just don't have shame about it because that's done. Yeah. Just move forward and try your best and never use the word failure because yeah, that's it's not a failure. Such a good point. It's like I was thinking about it the other day when I, I was just had been out of the house and I hadn't planned my snacks properly. Normally I always take snacks with me, like in a little, you know, container. Um and I hadn't and I was really hungry and I bought a snack bar and it was in plastic and I felt really mm. bad um about it. And I was like, Well, there's no point, you know, I just I'll try not to do that again or whatever yeah so yes exactly I mean I've got a an 18 month old so she has a meltdown and doesn't want a banana yeah I I don't care I'm gonna get I'm gonna get the um carrot sticks yeah (laughs) covered in MSG in a plastic bag because and I'll try not to do it again but yeah I'm not gonna beat myself up about it yeah exactly I think that's such a good thing and yeah there's failure's got no place in this in this kind of way of living because it's just so important that you're trying I think Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, thank you so much for talking to me, Lucy. It's been really, really great. And I think there's lots of um, just really good practical tips that people can hopefully um, 
take action on and, and get inspired by. Um, so if people want to find you online and find out more about you, where can they find you? You can find me at Lucy Lucraft everywhere. <laughs> um, and my website is lucyleecroft.com. Oh, and my podcast is What She Said. Yes, brilliant. Great. And I'll link to everything that we talked about in the show notes so people can find various bits and pieces. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Create Shift. You'll find all the links and resources spoken about in today's episode over in the show notes at being-change.com. You can also head there to find out more about me, about working together, and to find more information and resources on living your most purposeful and holistic life. If you want to continue the conversation, you can find me on Instagram at being underscore change. If you enjoyed the show, I'd be so grateful if you could leave a rating and a review. This helps other people who might enjoy the show too to find it. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.